Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we get to center our attention around your word. God, thank you for allowing me to hold a microphone. God, I've got a sermon, but you've got a message. So God, I ask that you would help me to preach this with clarity, with power, with precision. God, we speak to every deaf ear today spiritually, and we say that you're going to hear the word of the Lord today. We declare to every blinded eye, scales fall. Come on, to every hard heart, we declare that your heart's going to get soft today in God's house. God, I ask that faith will arise today. God, we come against depression and anxiety. And God, we even ask that you would regulate hormone levels in our minds. God, we ask that you would keep our minds and our hearts in perfect peace. That you would surround us with peace. I want to put an amen on that. God, we declare, come on, that joy is our inheritance. That peace is available. God, we thank you for perfect peace. We thank you for fullness of joy. Where there's confusion, God, bring clarity. In the only name that has power, we pray all that in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, if you got some faith, say amen today. Hallelujah. Hey, hey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So glad. I'm so glad to be with you. So glad that God's in the house. High five somebody and have a seat. Come on. Who's ready for the word today? That was about three of you. Okay, let's try that one more time. Who's ready for the word today? Good. If you're ready to eat, I'm ready to cook. So let's do this. Uh, I come to you from the great country of Texas. Uh, I'm from Dallas, Texas. I'm a teaching pastor at an amazing church in Dallas called Social Dallas. And uh, I love my pastor, Pastor Robert and Taylor Madu. And uh, I get to I get to travel and preach. And uh, I'm super excited to be with my good friend, Pastor Josh, today. Anybody love your pastor? I absolutely love your pastor. Um, and uh, I'm super, super excited. I'm excited because I get to preach chapter seven of my book, Brainwash, today. Uh, I'm super excited about this book. I'll tell you about the first time I ever went to therapy, okay? Uh, uh, I'm gonna talk really about chapter seven uh, of this book. And uh, I wrote this book because I feel like there were a lot of people like me who uh, you came to the altar to rebuke depression and rebuke anxiety and rebuke poverty mentality and rebuke low self-esteem and rebuke insecurity. And then you went back to your seat and you still had it. Okay, just me? Okay. This is Planet Fitness uh, Church today, okay? No judgment zone, okay? All the Pharisees, you can leave, okay? For all the real Christians, is there anybody who can confess? Like, I went to the altar, okay? I thought it was going to be over, but how many people know that God doesn't just work in the miracle of a moment? He also works in the miracle of a process. And uh, I remember going to the altar, believing God that I would never have to struggle with depression again, never have to struggle with suicidal thoughts again, never have to struggle with poverty mentality again, never have to struggle with victim mentality again, and uh, went to a lot of altar calls. And actually, the thing that the Lord broke off of my soul at the altar was, oh, pride. Because it was my pride that was keeping me from going into a therapist's office. And being honest and vulnerable and transparent and letting somebody into my business. Can I tell you right now, we believe in the anointing, but we also believe in the therapist. <laughs> oh, okay. Y'all don't want to rock with me. Okay. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Uh, any black folks in the room? Any black people? I'm black. Okay. Any black people? There we go. Boom, boom, boom. Come on. Air five. One, two, three. Boom. Uh, let me tell you how this works in black church, okay? In a black church, I don't know if it's like this at your church, okay? But at a black church, the pastor is everything. At a black church, black people believe the pastor is a financial advisor, the pastor is a therapist, the pastor is a real estate agent, the pastor is a dentist, the pastor can do everything. So as long as I told the man of God, it should be able to fix it. Baby, let me tell you something right now. Ain't no pastor a therapist. We believe in the anointing, but the anointing is for a spiritual issue. 
But depression, anxiety, that stuff doesn't just reside at the spiritual level. It resides in the level of your soul. And I didn't go to school. I'm not trained to deal with your mind and your soul and to deal with the complexities of, of your emotional and mental health. We believe that the anointing of God breaks the yoke of the enemy that is a suicidal spirit or a depressive spirit or an anxious spirit. But then you walk your happy hips <laughs> into a counseling office and you let God not just move with the miracle of the moment, but the miracle of a process. I can remember that first time going to my therapist's office, um, and uh, this is the reason I wrote this book, Brainwashed, is because I was sitting there uh, waiting for my therapist appointment. I got to give you a little background about me. My father, my biological father, took me to a crack house for the first time when I was five years old. My dad was incarcerated for 18 years. My mother was pregnant with my older sister at the age of 12, gave birth at 13, pregnant again with my older brother at 14, gave birth at 15. Uh, five of my uncles are alcoholics. Three of my aunts are prostitutes. My grandmama still sell cocaine out of the back of an ice cream truck to this day in Miami, but we won't talk about her. <laughs> if there's anybody who had an excuse to stay broke and stay poor and stay confused and to stay stuck in the generational pattern that my family of origin was stuck in, you're looking at him. I'm the first Orango to graduate from college. I'm the first Orango with a master's degree. By this time next year, I'll be the first Orango with a doctorate degree, baby. I'm gonna be Dr. Manny Orango. I'm the first Orango to own property. I'm the first Orango to have employees. I'm the first Orango to sign the front of checks, not the back of checks. I'm the first Orango to have children after marriage, not before. I'm the first Orango to be functional and healthy. First Orango in ministry. First Orango to preach the gospel. Because the only generational curse that has power is the one you believe in. If you give your mind to the generational curse, then the generational curse has power. And I know too many Christians who use Christian teaching around generational curses as an excuse to stay stuck. I'm not going to use biblical teaching as an excuse to stay stuck. I don't care who my daddy is. I don't care who my granddaddy is. The day I gave my life to Jesus, the blood of my father stopped running through my veins and the blood of Calvary started running through my veins. I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I come. I'm blessed when I go. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. I'm not a victim. I'm not a statistic. I am the head and not the tail. Don't tell me. But Orangos can't do that. In your book, that's your narrative. That's your story. I've created a narrative for myself. That's God's story for my life. Let me help you. Your family of origin wants to brainwash you. Culture wants to brainwash you, wants to fill your mind with insecurity, wants to fill your mind with victim mentality, wants to fill your mind with overthinking and anxiety, wants to fill your mind with depression. But I want to remind you today that your mind is the most powerful tool you got. If you can think it, you can be it. If you can think your way into freedom, you can be free. If you can get your mind free, you can be free. At some point, I had to realize that my father didn't need to have a chokehold on my mind anymore. That if I was going to be everything that God wanted me to be, I was going to have to get my mind free. Remember going to that therapist's office. And ain't it crazy how you can know the truth but still operate in a lie? Come on, all the Pharisees, I dismissed y'all already. Come on, real Christians. I know the truth. The truth is my dad's dysfunctional. The truth is that my dad's been an addict for most of my life. And I'm sitting there in the waiting room getting ready to see this therapist, right? This is my first time going to therapy, okay? And, and I can hear the voice of my dad. If you was a real man, you wouldn't need to go talk to nobody. What, what happens at home stays at home. You, why do you need to open up? Real men don't cry. And you don't want to know? I, I began to have an imaginary argument with my dad. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Maybe if you had had a therapist, you wouldn't be on crack. Oh, too real? I'm too hood? Okay. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I thought this was Planet Fitness. I thought we... <laughs> Somebody's like, oh. <laughs> but you want to know something? If you don't choose a healthy way to deal with problems, you will always choose an unhealthy way to deal with problems. 
The only reason that my dad fell into addiction is because he would not open up and talk to a therapist. And I remember that day in that waiting room deciding I'm not going to be brainwashed by my dad's opinion. I'm not going to be brainwashed by the pattern of thinking that my family has said is normal. I am going to choose to be brainwashed by the water of the word, and I'm going to be brainwashed by the blood of the lamb. Oh, I am going to renew my mind. I'm going to take every thought captive, and I'm not going to let this imaginary voice of my father keep me trapped in bondage, trapped in a cycle that's never going to end. Therapist comes out of, of his office. He calls me in, um, and I, I walk in. And, and it's funny how five minutes before, I'm like, I ain't going to say nothing. In five minutes, I've sat on this man's couch. I don't know what kind of hypnotic tea he gave me, okay? I'm just divulging all kinds of information. I'm like, it did. My dad said, you know, he didn't come to my basketball game. You know, I'm just, I'm just crying. And I remember saying to the therapist, I said, my dad, he did more damage to me and my mom with his words and his actions. It's almost like a moment of revelation I came to that, that, my dad did things that, that hurt, that disappointed, that definitely left trauma. But, oh, man, the, the, the lasting effect, the collateral damage, the, the, the real issue are the words that my dad spoke over our life. My dad was so charming. He, he was so charismatic. He could talk his way into anything, talk his way out of anything. Oh, man, my dad could sell water to a well, okay? My dad was the kind of person who he was an addict for, for all, all of my life and, and uh, struggled with addiction, but he also had, uh, he was a general contractor, so he was a carpenter. He'd do decks and porches and, and uh, finished basements and all types of stuff. He could get a $20,000, $25,000, dollars $30,000 down payment for a job, never show up. He talked his way into anything, talked his way out of anything. The man would weave a web with his words that you would just get trapped in. Man ain't showed up to a basketball game in 10 years, but every time he told me I'm coming to your game, I just believe it because he was that good with his If my dad had one superpower, it was his words, my dad's words. I say all of this to the therapist. This fool has the audacity. To say back to me, sounds like your father left you with a powerful set of gifts. <laughs> I remember saying to the therapist, it's funny now, it wasn't funny then. I said to the therapist, how about you put your little notebook down? <laughs> and listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. My dad didn't leave me with any gifts. My dad didn't bless me. Mom, what are you talking about? If my dad left me with a powerful set of gifts, sir, I wouldn't be here sitting with you. <laughs> oh, I was hot. I was annoyed. I was frustrated. You know what I learned in that moment? You can't get pity and power from the same source. Oh, that therapist was trying to empower me. That therapist was trying to get me to reshape my narrative. My, that therapist was trying to brainwash me. That therapist was trying to get me to adopt the identity of a hero, not a victim. Of an overcomer, not a victim. Of someone who was more than a conqueror, not a victim. And you can't get pity and power from the same source. For a lot of you, the reason you haven't gotten power from God is because you are, woo, content getting pity from God instead. Uh-oh, I'm preaching. I'm stepping on toes. And anybody who would RSVP to your pity party is not a friend that you actually need in your life. Oh, I'm, I'm helping you. I'm helping you. The therapist said, how about, how about you describe your father to me one more time? I was like, okay, d listen this time. <laughs> this man did not leave me a powerful set of gifts. You are confused. He said, okay, 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 I'm going to put my notebook down. Describe your father to me one more, one more time. I said, my father could talk his way into anything. He could talk his way out of anything. His superpower was his words. words. My dad was a magician with my dad, my dad, English was my man's second language. And my man could put words together. Oh, it's his spirit, his personality. My dad could, so much charisma, could light up a room. I mean, my dad, oh, my dad should have been a preacher. I mean, he was so good with his words. words. Therapist said, yep, I got it right. Your father left you a powerful set of, no, gifts. <laughs> Gotcha! Not as late. <laughs> words. Words. <laughs> words. <laughs> Powerful set of gifts. I said, hey, man, same way I found you, I will find a new therapist. 
I didn't want to be here in the first place. The last thing I need is for you to confront me, challenge me, and try to force me to adopt a new paradigm. He said, my dad didn't leave me a powerful set of gifts. My dad, my dad cursed me. My, my, my dad left me with a spiritual stronghold. My, my dad never did anything good for me. That therapist asked me one question that has reshaped my narrative and refocused my paradigm for the rest of my life. That therapist said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a preacher. That therapist said, then it sounds like you can talk people into anything, talk people out of anything. It sounds like you can talk people out of hell and into heaven. It sounds like you can talk people out of depression and into joy. It sounds like you can talk people out of anxiety and into peace. It sounds like you can talk people out of brokenness and into healing. It sounds like you can talk people out of apathy and into feeling again. It sounds like you can talk people out of bondage and into freedom. It sounds like what the enemy meant for evil, that God has used it for good. It sounds like your father blessed you and left you with a powerful set of gifts. But so often, we are jealous of the fruit hanging in other people's yards, but we got the seeds to produce that fruit, and we neglect the seeds that are in our hands. My dad taught me how to preach better than any seminary could. My dad taught me how to preach better than any pastor could. My dad taught me how to preach better than anybody could teach me how to preach, and so many of us were so bitter and angry that we can't even thank God for the gift. Everybody who left you, I need you to reshape your narrative. They blessed you. Everybody who neglected you, I need you to reshape your narrative. They blessed you. Every single person that's gossiped about you, I need you to reshape your narrative. If I'm blessed, nobody can curse me. God wants to open a door for me. Then that door's got to be open. I can't control the cards that I've been dealt. I need you to get this in your spirit. I cannot control the cards that life deals me. But guess what I can control? How I play my hand. I can control how I play my hand. And I can see myself as the son of a crack addict, as the son of a teenage mom, as the son of somebody, people who lived in government-assisted, uh, government-subsidized housing and, and was on food stamps my whole I can see myself that way. Or I can see myself as my dad was my preaching coach. I can see myself as, oh, yeah, they set me up for success. And I, it's not my fault that negative things have happened. But if I'm an adult, it is my responsibility to say from this moment on, I'm going to walk in freedom. From this moment on, I'm going to think a new way. From this moment on, oh, yeah, I will sit under an anointed preacher or teacher, and I will get brainwashed. Oh, yeah, I will rewire the way that I think. I'm not going to allow the family I come from to dictate the way I think. I'm going to be free. I need a good amen in the room. I wrote, I wrote this book, and the subtitle is Overcome Toxic Thoughts and Take Back Control of Your Mind. I wrote this book because your mind is the most powerful tool you got. Yeah. At some point, you're going to have to take back control of it because the enemy is not going to let you just have control of your mind without a fight. The enemy knows that as long as he got you stuck in your mind, you'll never be free in any other area. God could heal you, but if you don't believe you're healed, you'll never be healed. God could free you, but if you don't believe you're free, you'll never actually be free. God could bless you, but if you still think like someone who's trapped in poverty, you'll squander all your wealth. Don't you know most people who win the lottery go broke in a couple of years? Why? Because they never had a money problem. They had a mind problem. They never had a money problem. Won the lottery, got $13 million, broke in three years. Why? Because you think the enemy will convince you that you have a money problem. You do not have a money problem. You have a management problem. Oh, I'm preaching. I'm stomping on toes. I'm A-town stomping on your toes. You can get a pedicure tomorrow, though. We're going to tackle chapter 7 of Brainwash. So you're going to get chapter 7 for free. Three ninety nine. The the book is nine chapters long. I think every single chapter will bless your life. I'll be signing books uh, outside. Uh, I'll be signing books in the back, and uh, I'd love to sign a copy of Brainwash for you. Hug you, high five you, take a selfie. I'm an extrovert. If you can't tell, 
And so, uh, come on, you can grab a book in the back. The team is, is ready. I'll sign books at one table. We'll sell the book at a whole different table. So uh, don't come to the table where I'm signing books. Go to the table and buy a book first. They'll put a post-it note on it. I'll sign a book. It's going to be great, right? Who's like, I'm sold. Like, give me the book right now. Okay. Uh, come on, I'm going to preach chapter 7. Get your Bibles. Get your Bibles. Let's go to the Bible. We're going to go. Chapter 7 is based on Luke chapter 8. Chapter 7 of Brainwashed is based on the book of Luke uh, in the Bible, and it's based on chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. If there's a word that I don't say, feel free to say the word that I don't say, kind of like fill-in-the-blank style, okay? Because um, this is a participatory activity. Come on, there we go. There we go, front row. There we go. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Are you there? You got it? Is it on the screens? Yes? No? Talk back to me, y'all. I told you I'm black, so that means, like, we got to talk, okay? Black church is just a loud place in general, okay? No? you never been to a black church? Okay. It's not a library. <laughs> Come on, Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Is it on the screens? Okay, great. Uh, one day, Jesus. Come on, one day, Jesus. To his disciples, let us go. To the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell. Asleep. He fell. I, can, I, can, can we just talk about this real quick? Oh. Man. Let's try that again. Can we talk about this real quick? Is it anybody else's frustration that Jesus times his naps at the most inopportune times? Come on, is this anybody else's first? It's like when life is going good, when everything is going great, Jesus is wide awake, alert, and attentive. But the moment a storm breaks out, Jesus got the nerve. Anybody like me, I'd rather have it the opposite way. Hey, Jesus, we don't need you when life's good. Go on, go to sleep. I need you when a storm happens. <laughs> storm, sleep, don't go together. No, just my frustration. Okay, come on. We just keep reading the Bible. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, so the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to... Now, this is, this is odd. Can we talk about this? You're getting better, okay. <laughs> Ain't it crazy that they say we're going to drown? Like, think about how much faith they have in something that ain't about to happen. They could have said, we may drown. We could drown. These jokers messed around and said, we are going to drown. <laughs> think about how much assurance they have in the fact that they are going to drown. Here we go. I want to teach you something. That faith is not positive or negative. Faith is neutral. Faith is what? Neutral. And faith will either be positive or negative based on where you place your faith. If I place my faith in God, I'm going to get life. If I place my faith in Buddha, I'm going to get death. Okay, that was a Christian check. Okay, we all <laughs> saved. Okay. I've been at some churches where nobody says amen, and I'm like, am I at a Buddhist temple? Like... <laughs> Did I go to the wrong church today? You know. Put your faith in God, he'll build your self-esteem. Put your faith in your boyfriend. And all the boyfriend has to do is cheat on you and your self-esteem crumbles. Because instead of putting your faith in a solid rock, you put your faith on sinking sand. Come on. We're going to drown. We're going to drown means you've placed your faith in the storm. Come on, how many of us... You assume that you have a faith problem, but God doesn't have an issue with the quantity of faith you have. He has an issue with where your faith actually is. But, but, but get this. They've been in church long enough to know this. They got to put master, master in front of it. Master, master, we going to drown. Don't act like you haven't ever spent 15, 20 minutes in God's presence calling him master only to then sit down in your seat, somebody take up the offering, and then your bills become your master. 
Master, master, we gonna drown. <laughs> master, master, you're not really my master. Master, master is what I say out of my mouth, but you're not the master of my emotions. You're not the master of my mind. We gonna drown. But you the master though. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I'm scared. But I mean, you the master. I need you to see the juxtaposition of the sentence. Master, master, we gonna drown. How many times have you called him master? Only for the next words out of your mouth to disprove the fact that he's actually the master in your life. Come on, let's keep reading. We just reading the Bible. He got up and what? Okay, we're going to open up a tab right there. I got ADHD. Anytime my wife looks at my computer, she's like, why are there so many tabs open on this web browser? Anybody? No, no, just me? Okay. We're going to open up a tab, okay? We're going to close it by the end of the service, I promise. This is interesting that Jesus rebukes. What does he rebuke? He rebukes the wind and the raging waters and the storm and all was, that don't make a lot of sense. Because come on, all the good parents in the room, all the good parents under the, under the tent, you know this, that you can instruct ignorance and you rebuke rebellion. No? Okay, okay. Some of y'all just beating kids. Just, just popped them. Did they know what they did wrong? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Just beating them. Come on. All the good parents understand. You can't rebuke ignorance. Y'all don't agree. Okay. You instruct ignorance. If you ignorant, that means I have to teach you. If I were to interview some of your teenagers, the stuff you mad at them about, I'd be like, who taught you that? My mama. <laughs> I was youth pastor for 10 years. I got stories. We instruct ignorance. Not just with words, but with how we live our life, we model that instruction. I can only rebuke that which is in rebellion. It don't make sense that Jesus is rebuking the wind and the waters because the wind is just winding. Water's just watering. Storm's just storming. Why Jesus rebuking stuff that's just doing what it do? We got to open that tab. We'll close it before the end of the service. Here we go, verse 25. This is where we're going to camp out. Jesus asked a pivotal question. What is the question that Jesus asked? Here we go. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Jesus now confirms with his question that their faith is where? In the storm. We gone drown. That's exactly where their faith is in. For so many of us, your faith is in the obstacle. Your faith is actually in the problem. It's all you talk about. Every time you and your friends get together, you're like, my son, he's smoking weed. Got it. Your faith is in the problem that you're facing. Your faith is in the mountain. And you keep telling God about the mountain instead of telling your mountain about your God. At some point, you are going to have to take back your faith. And say, my faith is not in the doctor's report. My faith is not in the loan officer. My faith is not in the obstacle. My faith is not in the problem. My faith is not in what the enemy is doing against me. Here we go. I got to stop being impressed with the enemy's attack against me. Jesus asked this question. Here we go. He says, where is your faith? I think sometimes in church we misinterpret this and we assume that what Jesus is saying is y'all ain't got a lot of faith. But that's not what Jesus is saying. There's a lot of other passages of scripture where Jesus is really, really good at grading people's faith. <laughs> at measuring their faith. At being like, hey, Mr. Centurion, good news. You've got great faith. One with the issue of blood, guess what? Your faith made you well. This is my favorite one. When he does tell the disciples they have a little bit of faith, it's the best backhanded compliment in the whole Bible. Because what he says to them is, y'all have little faith. But then he says, but even the faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. Which is essentially God's version of saying, your faith is trash, but it'll work. You know? 
He's so kind. He's like, oh gosh. Such little faith. Ah, oh, I can work with it, you know. Which means so God is good at grading and quantifying faith. This is not a passage where he's quantifying or grading faith. In this passage, the issue is not the measure of faith, but about the misplacement of faith. He says, where is your faith? Oh, I'm going to preach this. Because for a lot of us, your faith, your problem is not the quantity of your faith. It's that your faith is in the wrong place. I want to ask you a question today. Is your faith in your 401k or is your faith in Jehovah Jireh? I want to ask you a question today. Is your faith, where is it? Is your faith in the government or is your faith in a God that knows how to govern every area of your life? Where is your faith? The issue is not, do you have faith? The issue is, where is your faith? Uh-oh, I'm going to step on some toes. Because this is why a lot of millennials are leaving church and claiming that they are church hurt. Why'd you leave church? I'm Lee. I don't believe in church because that pastor cheated on his wife. Oh, all you just told me is that your faith was in a man. Your faith was in a person holding a microphone. Let me help you out. As long as Jesus is faithful to his bride, then guess where I'm going to be? In church. Because my faith ain't in a person. It's not in a denomination. It's not in, in a building. I can have church in a tent. My faith ain't in a structure. My faith is in something that is eternal, unshakable. My faith ain't in this temporary stuff. Please. I'm not condoning sin. I'm not saying it's okay for pastors to do foul things. The pastor sin, we need to call it out. Hey, that's sin. I don't know. But I'm not going to be in limbo for five years not going to church. That's crazy. Come to a new church talking about, I mean, I'm just in a season of healing. I'm not ready to serve yet. You've been in a season of healing for five years. Maybe just maybe your faith was in a person. Maybe the issue is not that your church hurt. Maybe you had unrealistic expectations of humans. Humans fail. News alert. Humans be humaning. I don't know what to tell you. God be God, no. God don't change. God, absolutely perfect. God, oh. Incredible track record. I leave in church. The deacons ran off with the money. Okay, I'm going to keep on tithing. I'm going to keep on giving. I'm going to keep on volunteering. Because when Jesus asked me, where is my faith? The answer to the question is going to be in you, Jesus. My faith is in you. Now, that doesn't mean that we dishonor the pastor. I can still honor the pastor. I can still celebrate the anointing that's on the man of God's life, but not idolize them and not hold them to some standard that's absolutely unrealistic. Come on, what is Jesus' question? He says, where is your faith? Okay, their faith is in the storm. I, I, I need you to see this. Because I need you to remember, faith is not positive or negative. Faith is neutral. Here we go. I'm going to help you. So then what is anxiety? Anxiety is the proof that you are creative. Anxiety is the proof that you're creative. Oh, you thought creativity was what? Being a fashion designer? You thought creativity was being a videographer or a graphic designer? No. You ain't met a creative person till you met an anxious person. You know why? An anxious person has created scenarios about tomorrow and next week and next month, next year. AI's gonna take over the world. We're all gonna die. It's like... Maybe calm down. I don't know. Maybe just relax. Get off the internet. <laughs> Guess what anxiety is? Faith working against you. Ooh. What do you need in order to have anxiety? An imagination? Creativity? You have to believe in something so much 
that you create a whole world that doesn't exist. And then you go into tomorrow. You see it. It becomes so vivid in your mind that it causes an emotional reaction in your body today. Guess what that is, baby? That's called faith. I did the same thing when we were struggling with infertility. We were struggling with infertility, and I created a world where I had kids. I stepped into the world where we had kids, and I looked at their face, and I was filled with so much joy. I had an emotional reaction in my today, even though we didn't have kids yet. That's called faith, and you are using faith to be anxious, and you don't even know it. Oh, I'm going to help get you free because you are using your God-given creativity and your God-given imagination to destroy your own life. You can't even be anxious without an imagination. What do you need in order to have faith and imagination? You could just as easily create a scenario for tomorrow that's abundantly blessed, full of hope, full of God's presence and then bring that into your today because an anxious person has made that which is make believe real guess what a person that with faith has done they've made that which is make believe real this was make believe in his mind until he what made it real he used faith to make it real him and Pastor Joanna used faith to make it real. This was just a figment of his imagination. And then he made it real. Because that's what faith is. It takes stuff that ain't real and it manifests it. That's what faith is. That's what anxiety does. It's the same thing. Just used against you. Because faith is not positive or negative. Faith is neutral. Okay. I'm at risk of offending anyone who's Italian. So I'm sorry to all the Italians, but all Italian food's like the same stuff. Come on. Some type of starchy, noodly thing. You know, if it's cut and flat, it's lasagna. You put it in strips, it's like penne. You put it in little cylinders, it's spaghetti. It's the same stuff. Sauce. Alfredo, marinara, you know, sauce, meat, bread and cheese. You got that, you got Italian food. You can make pasta, you make spaghetti, you make lasagna, you make pizza. That's all you, you know what I'm saying? It's just rearranging the same ingredients. Can I help you? God just gives you ingredients. You get to choose what meal you make. He gives you an ingredient called your imagination. He gives you an ingredient called creativity. He gives you an ingredient that's the power to make things a reality that are not yet real. He gives you those ingredients. You get to choose whether or not you make belief or whether or not you make anxiety or whether or not you make faith that works for you or faith that works against you. You get to take the ingredients and you get to make the meal because you have the power to reshape your narrative can't choose my parents, but guess what I can do? Go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They set me up to be the first. They set me up to break generational curses and break generational strongholds. I could take those ingredients and become a victim, or I could take those ingredients and be an overcomer. That is my decision. Okay. Here we go. I got to close two tabs. You ready? Why does Jesus rebuke the storm? He could have just calmed it, but he rebuked it. The rebuking of the storm is proof that it was in rebellion. Right? Come on. Rebellion. For the kids in the room, some of y'all, I've set you free. Your parents are going to stop <laughs> rebuking ignorance. They're going to start instructing you, I, ho I hope. <laughs> what does the enemy want more than anything else? Well, the Bible lets us know. Why did he get kicked out of heaven? Because he wanted what? Worship. He wanted to receive glory instead of reflect glory. He wanted worship. What does he say to Jesus when they're in the wilderness together? If you would just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. The number one thing that Satan lusts for more than anything else is what? Worship. 
Do you think the enemy would approach your house with a pitchfork and horns, ring your doorbell, and say, bow down and worship me? Absolutely not. Every single person in this room, whether you saved or not, would probably be like, I rebuke you. Uh-uh, call the pastor. Throw some anointing oil. <laughs> the enemy knows if he approached you, pitchfork and horns, as the devil, you would never worship him. So what does he do? He wraps himself up in the winds and the waves and the storms of life. And you would never worship the enemy, but you give all your attention to the negative things that are happening in your life. You give all your attention to all of the obstacles and all of the mountains and all of the storms. And the reason that he rebukes the storm is because the storm is in rebellion. Can I help you? Five years, me and my wife walked through infertility. One time the doctor told us we would never get pregnant. And I got like a spiritual attitude. Different than a fleshly attitude, you know. I wasn't in my flesh. I was like, it was spiritual. Kind of like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that <laughs> dared defy the armies of the living God? <laughs> you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord. How dare you tell me we're never going to get pregnant? And the doctor got like annoyed with me. Said, do you know what school I went to? And I said these words, my faith ain't in your little degree. My faith is in the God who knows how to heal me. My faith is in a God who knit me together in my mother's womb. My faith is in the God who knows the number of hairs on my head. Do we have a picture of my family? Do we have a picture of my family? My son is almost two years old. Doctor said we would never get pregnant. But God has the ability to do what no man can do. He's a way maker. My faith ain't in the fertility doctor. I'm here out of, out of, I'm here out of obedience. I ain't here because I got faith in you. Where is your faith? Here we go. Where should their faith have been? I'll tell you exactly where their faith should have been. Put up Luke chapter 8 verse 22 for me. Luke chapter 8 verse 22. It says, one day Jesus he what? Yes. He what? Yes. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Jesus does not speak by accident or happenstance. He speaks on purpose. And every word has an assignment. And God says like the rain and the snow leave heaven and don't return to me void. My word doesn't return to me void. But it accomplishes exactly what I wanted to accomplish. What does Jesus say? He says these words. Let us go over to the other Side. of the so they get in the boat halfway along the journey what happens a storm breaks out let me tell you how to handle every storm there's only one question you need to ask the storm hey storm are you the other side of the lake cause God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he would change his mind. And if this ain't the other side of the lake, then that means my story ain't over yet. My faith is not in the storm that I can see. My faith is in the word that God spoke. And we are going to get to the other side of the lake. God has already revealed to me where we're going. And I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. And I'm going to keep on moving we're gonna get to the other side of the lake come on i want to preach to your faith today you're gonna get to the other side of the lake you can't let the storm distract you you gotta get to the other side of the lake hey! you gotta keep moving you can't let the storm stop your progress. For some of us, the storm has gotten all your attention. The storm's all you talk about. The storm's all you think about. The storm's all you pray about. How about you start prophesying again? Believing again? Declaring stuff in faith again? I remember I was in college. I'm going to be real vulnerable with y'all because we family. 
Anybody getting something from the Holy Ghost today? I was in college. Oh, hallelujah. And I, I'd gone pretty prodigal, real wayward. Hadn't been to church in about two years. I started preaching at 13. But now I'm like 19, 20, and I'm just far from God. And I remember I went and visited my mom's house. My mom was one of these people who could see sin. You ever met one of these people? Thinking you just see sin. She was like, you look like sin. I was like, well, thank you. She was like, but you know what? I'm not worried. I'm not worried about you. You know why? I said, no, I don't know why. And she went into her bedroom and she pulled out her journal from when she was pregnant with me. She said, when I was three months pregnant with you, God told me you was going to be a preacher. When I was four months pregnant with you, God told me you'd be a light to the nations. When I was eight months pregnant with you, God told me there was a prophetic gift on your life. I'm not, I'm not going to be distracted by the storm of your prodigal lifestyle right now. I've got a word from the Lord. And God already told me that we're going to get to the other side of this lake. I'm not going to be distracted. The storm's not going to claim my attention or my focus. i got to get my focus off of the storm I gotta remind myself of what God already told me and I'm in the middle of an anxiety attack I've got a decision to make am I gonna focus on the storm or am I gonna remind myself of what the word of the Lord says I can't control the cards I can control how I play my hand though God don't give me meals he gives me ingredients he gives me the power to reshape my narrative. I want to tell you, I think the biggest tool to help reshape your narrative is actually a subscription platform that I came up with a couple years ago. And it's actually the free way to get brainwashed today. We were actually here for a men's event, and I got extra copies of this book called Manhood Restored, and we got copies of Brainwashed. Obviously, you can buy Brainwashed in the back if you want, but you know what? I'd love to give you this for free. The best way to get that for free, I think there's a QR code that's going to pop on the screen. You can get signed up for Arma. You know what Arma is? It's a $13 investment every single month so that you can begin to get brainwashed. I started, brainwa I started Arma because I realized that preaching to people was great. But if I was going to help people unlock their mind, I needed to create a platform where they could get seminary-level education every single month. And Lighthouse Leadership College, like, uses ARMA curriculum. And there's a bunch of ARMA subscribers in the room. And um, I, I'd love for you to get subscribed to ARMA because I'd love to, like, be in your life. I don't want this to just be hello and goodbye. I'd love this to be, like, the beginning of a relationship where I help you to understand the Bible. I get it. The Bible can be intimidating. But can I tell you how I got brainwashed? I read the Bible five times in a nine-month period. And it was the best decision I ever made. Because my mom and my dad, they taught me a bunch of lessons. But reading the Bible began to unwire all of the wires that had gotten crossed. And I'd love to help you. Not just give you a book. But I'd love for you to subscribe to a platform where you can actually learn the word of God in a systematic way. There's actually a picture that I sent the media team right before service. It's a picture of a five-year-old boy watching Arma. That's me teaching on a laptop. Here's what happened. We were at a church, and I didn't appeal just like this. And a dad decided to get an Armour subscription. Well, he had a five-year-old son. So every day, he would sit down to watch Armour, and his five-year-old son would sit down with him and watch the courses. Our course on Deuteronomy is incredible. Parents, hundreds, thousands of parents across America have watched our course on homosexuality, and it has absolutely changed the game for how they parent their kids. Our course on Matthew... Mark, Luke, and John helps you to understand Jesus in a way that you probably never understood him in your life. A course on Corinthians, a course on Ephesians, right there, the course on John is on the screen. Well, this guy starts watching Arma every day, and his five-year-old son just starts getting next to him, watching Arma with him. And you know what happened after a couple of months? His five-year-old son asked for his own subscription. And that five-year-old boy goes through our courses on his own without his father. Because the best thing you could do as a parent is get the Bible in the hands of your young person. In the last 45 minutes, guess what? I've held your attention. Because I have dedicated my life to be able to captivate people's attention. 
the number one complaint that people have for like seminary level Bible content is that it is boring. <laughs> and guess what my promise to you is? I'll give you seminary level content and it will never be boring. It will be entertaining and engaging and funny, but full of depth so that you can lead your family in a transformative way. We release a new course every single month. We drop content all the time. It works just like Hulu, just like Netflix. You pay 13 bucks and you can binge watch this instead of binge watching craziness. You know what? Sometimes in the kingdom we expect Christian stuff to just be free. But here's the reality. You pay for Hulu. You pay for Netflix. You pay for HBO. And YouTube Premium. You reap where you sow. If all you do is sow into your entertainment, but you never sow into understanding the word of God, then you can't be all that surprised when in the middle of a storm, the only thing that comes to your mind is song lyrics and foolishness. God wants to bring to your memory all of the word that you've planted on the inside of you, but you've got to be faithful to sow so that God can actually bring something back to your memory. So here we go. If you sign up for Arma, you can sign up with us in the back. You can scan the QR code. You can get signed up on your phone. If you show us an email confirmation, guess what we'll do? We'll hand you a free book. And you can choose whether or not you want this book or this book. So who's like, I'm sold. Like, I, I think that's a great idea. 13 bucks a month is nothing. Let's pray. If you're in the room and you walked in here maybe thinking, there's an issue with the quantity of faith that I have. But while I was preaching, you actually realized that the problem is not the quantity of faith. The problem is the placement of your faith. Come on, lift your hands. I want to pray for you. God, I thank you for every single person in the room who's replacing their faith right now in Jesus' name. Taking it out of stuff that it shouldn't be in and placing it where it actually belongs. If you're in the room and you battle with anxiety, just wave at me. I want to pray for you. Come on, we take control over our mind right now. God, we give you thanks and praise that we're made in your image, which means we're made creative, we're made with an imagination. And God, we declare that you're going to give us the power to harness our creativity, harness our imagination so that we can use it to bring your kingdom to bear on the earth and stop bringing chaos into our minds. We take authority over your mind and we declare that your mind belongs to God. Your mind doesn't belong to anxiety. Your mind belongs to God. We declare right now in the presence of God that you've been battling with anxiety, but God's been actually trying to teach you how to use your own creativity. And today is the day where you're going to pivot. Today is the day that you're going to find freedom. God, we thank you right now that we've got the mind of Christ. Come on, let's just stand up all over the room. Come on, if you're struggling with anxiety, just lift your hands towards heaven. God, we declare right now, come on, every single person struggling with anxiety, God is going to begin to use you to manifest faith like never before. God, we declare right now, faith is rising again. You're going to put your faith in the right place. And we rebuke every storm. And we declare right now, your faith is going to be in the words of Jesus Christ. Come on, lift up a shout of praise in the room. God, we love you. God, we put our faith back in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.